Why am I not recording? All right, I'm doing this again. Welcome to episode 75 from the couch. This is while Joanne's containing her laughter, <laughs> I'll transition to uh, welcome to episode 75 where Joanne has quietly moved from the closet to the sofa. She usually brings it to you live in the vertical position, but has now reclined horizontally due to a back injury. Yep. Feels good. Feels good to lay down. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Maybe this will be a better episode since I'll be laying down. So let's see. What? (laughs) Because I'm more relaxed. I don't know. We're going to cover, let's see. I sent you a couple of links. So we're going to cover... Let's see, the new Triumph models that came out, which is exciting. If you have been off the internet completely, then you don't know that Triumph released three new models for 2016. And um, they look beautiful. So we're going to cover that. I had a couple of, I had an email come in with a question about boots. And um, I wanted to throw out an answer Some for recalls. Oh, that we missed recalls. last time around. Oh. Actually, almost a month ago. Sorry. And uh, what else? I don't know what else we got. Oh, I found an interesting, just a little topic on Reddit I was looking at. thought that would be fun to talk about and give some advice to about a new writer. And, I don't know, whatever else the couch inspires us to talk about. <laughs> I think we should just call our podcast the moto couch podcast <laughs> the cast couch this is way know. more no the moto I'm sure we'll come up with something <laughs> delightful as time rolls on <sighs> all right so let's talk about these new bikes new fortunately we don't google bikes. plus any of this stuff because a i don't want to have to think about how i look on video and b <laughs> it's dark where i'm at because my fan that i have constantly running um, don't ever buy a Hunter fan because those things oh. ride at 365 plus one day, something happens to it. Oh. And that one year warranty is just freshly expired oh. because, uh, I can't turn on the light. Basically the little pole, the little pull switch yeah. with, uh, thing, it, it's broken. So mm. my, <laughs> either I just have the fan or maybe I have the light. But then I run the risk of the light staying on and never being able to turn it off. So right now it's fan all the time. And now that it's currently in daylight savings on the West Coast, it's going to be dark. So Joanne sees basically a hint of light and a dark screen while I stare at the ceiling at her place. So, you know, there's a no, lot no, of variety going no, on here. Now you're, still in, now you're staring at me. Um, oh, i got to bring you back to the screen. You know, the whole Mac well, thing, it's new to me. Oh, yeah, that too. Uh, but no, when when I look at your screen, it's like a bad, really bad horror movie, you know, about, I don't know, your friend being murdered in front of you as you're Skyping together. There's some terrible movie about that. And so that's what that reminds me of. Oh, maybe I can. <laughs> okay, sorry. Back to these motorcycles. That's why we're here. Okay, here we go. So Triumph released three sexy models. They're really pretty. A really, really, really pretty. It makes my back hurt just looking at some of these. I haven't been riding either since I got home. Like, I've been dying to ride, and then I haven't been riding, and then I just 
due to random things and then now I hurt my back. So this is like the worst riding year I've ever had. I've only ridden like 3,000 miles this year. It's oh, very sad. And that was in like two trips. <laughs> it's very sad. It's just, it's very pathetic. Well, it's not looking strong considering <sighs> you're rolling fast and, and uh, fast and furiously into winter over on the yeah, east. Don't remind me. All right. Yeah. So basically Triumph has released new Bonnie, Bonnievilles and Thruxtons. Have you looked at these models at all in detail? Um, no. Is there a lot of change? Um, there's some variations. So I think the newest... Yeah, I, I think, think the key word here is variation. Variations. But I think one of the key... Um, new models I, I think is maybe that has the most impact is the street twin and the street twin I think is their direct competitor to the scrambler because um, when you look at the street twin it just has I don't know like aesthetically I feel like it's more in line with what a scrambler um, looks like and feels like in terms of you know aesthetic size posture um the quote-unquote entry-level bike in the bonneville lineup is a 900 cc in in quotes high torque engine so it puts out about 60 foot pounds of torque um and they've changed the the angles of the engine so it goes from a 360 degree version to a 270 degree angle don't ask me what that means because i don't know but apparently the result is more power um but stylistically it definitely looks different like if you look at the street twin you look at the bonneville i think it looks pretty different and it stands out i think by itself <laughs> i like take it. a look at this thing while you're while you're talking and um yeah a little I mean, right it's it's yeah, it's less busy. But it's the Bonneville aesthetic. Yeah, it is. Twin. But here's the thing: they're doing the three variations of it, like the Scrambler, right? You got three different versions of the oh, Scrambler. Whoa, okay. Okay. Ooh, stop the presses. This is where things get interesting. Yeah. Let me back right. this up for a second. It's the aesthetic. Oh. Over, the overall aesthetic has not changed. No. But I can I mean, tell you what is way way different oops. for what Triumph offers here. Is uh, come on. Ah, oh, damn it. Here we go. Uh, ABS, ride-by-wire, and traction yeah. control. Electronics. That is huge for Triumph. Because no, wait. Triumph has literally been running the same yep. no ABS game for years. But is that on the Street Twin? Yes. Okay. Um, I read through. I didn't see if that was on all of these. But there's three variations of the Scrambler. There's the Brat, Brat Tracker. What do I put these names? The Scrambler and the Urban. So they have slightly different exhaust, um, different handlebar setups, different seats, you know, mud guard. It just, so kind of the same idea as this Ducati Scrambler where you can change up the aesthetic ever so slightly. T120 blacked. Uh, blacked out Bonneville, basically. Mm-hmm. And they call it the T120. Before it was called the T100. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it was not near a thousand cc's. It was not a liter bike. It was something like I think 868. I thought was the um, the, actual the Triumph number. CC designation. But um, now their engine now, though I thought I want to say I thought I saw it bump up to 1200. Yep. Now it's 1200. Before it was 865. The, that's Bonneville. 
So this is the T120 and the T120 Black. Yeah, so, but is the, um, but the the regular Bonneville still exists. It's the 865. 865. 865. Yep. That still exists? I believe so. Okay. See, I don't know that they're getting rid of so that. I, I definitely think it would be a mistake replacing all your 865 models with 1200. Yeah. Um, but I think the sexiest edition is the Thruxton R. And the Thruxton is a pretty heavy beast. Uh, I was always a fan of how the Thruxton looked and like how it felt when you sat on it, but it was a really heavy beast. Um, it it also has a couple different options. So the Thruxton and the Thruxton R. The, this, these two models have the most torque. Ooh, more torque. You know, 1,200cc <laughs> engines, um, 83 foot-pounds of torque. So definitely a little more power than the previous Thruxton. They've also changed the wheels. So the front wheel went from an 18 to a 17. So now you can put really sexy, sporty race tires on them. And clip-ons are back um, for people who want the sporty, aggressive posture, but in this classic, beautiful, you know, standard look. Ooh. Yeah. I, like I don't know that the Thruxton had Brembo discs on it before. Mm, Brembo's are awesome be nice to have brembos again on a bike and some uh diablo rosa so now thruxton Sexy pirellis the thruxton oh, see i i hated my pirellis i'm so glad i went back to michelin's they were terrible for the street i terrible. rocked some pirellis in south america and they weren't too bad uh you gotta rock pilot powers or pilot roads totally well, different i mean tires. pirellis are made in brazil so i don't know they just uh, the only thing i uh, all i can say is they sucked for me on the on the Triumph, I had to get rid of them. I gave them away. I pretty much gave them away for $10 mm. each. I'm like, take them. I hate these tires. <laughs> Gladly wow. put some Michelins back on. For the street, Michelins are way more comfortable. Anyway, but oh, the Thruxton is, I believe, the Thruxton and the R are the only ones that get the traction control models. On the Thruxton, there's three modes. The road, rain, and sport, which is pretty pretty common, like on your Aprilia's and on your street street bikes like the multi um so you get clip-ons you get more power you got three modes it's pretty exciting um but the r will get um a little bit nicer brakes and fully adjustable uh suspension and an olean shock Ooh, it's very pretty i must say the thruxton r is really really hot um Oh, and they put the tires I hate on there too. <laughs> but if you're a fan, someone you're needs to love deal it. with Pirelli. Sorry, honey. Um, I think Triumph puts Pirelli on all of them. But um, with that change in tire size, you can put a lot more tires on there. A lot more popular models. Um, there's also slightly different kits, so you can add a little fly screen. You can add lowered clip-ons. You can add a little cowl. Huh? Uh, Vance and Heinz exhaust. So there's a few different options also for the Thruxton and the Thruxton R. Um, but out of all of them, I the Thruxton's my favorite. It's just a hot, classic leader bike. You know, kind of the high performance racer style. Um, certainly something I could only ride for like 15 minutes before my back started screaming. But 
I would still love the chance to throw a leg over and, and take that for a spin because it looks like so much fun. So yay, triumph. Now let's see if they decide to come out with like a 500, you know, a truly entry level. That would be exciting. That was on the docket for the last couple of years, and that still hasn't happened. So uh, well, we'll see. Someday. Hey, you know, I never Idle thought. Friends. I never thought that there would be ten more options for two fifty cc bikes when I bought one. It only took ten years. So maybe in ten years we'll see. We'll see another. We'll see a small displacement triumph, like a truly, you know, entry level. Uh, I think if they partner up with someone in India, much like BMW did, ooh, segue. Um, BMW is supposedly going to unveil its uh, lower displacement. Um, There are a couple of uh, 300cc and lower, I believe, uh, motorcycles that it uh, developed with Indian partner TVS. We talked about this a couple years ago. Yep. On the podcast, actually. Yep. Um, so we've kind of been expecting it, but wasn't quite sure when it was going to happen. I think the last time I heard about the actual displacement numbers, it was like 300 cc or lower. So small, unless it's an actual sport mm-hmm. bike. I was a little bit disappointed. I was hoping around like a 450, 500, but I guess time will tell. I mean, if it's primarily for the Indian market, which I suspect it will be and yep. not necessarily available in the US, yep. um, 300 cc's is like pretty top for what most people buy in that country. So um, having a couple 150 and 200s makes perfect sense for that particular partnership. So um, we've actually seen a, a little more than a concept because they call it the Concept Stunt G310, and it was unveiled in Brazil with an uh, actual rider, stunt rider. So it's uh, quite an interesting, uh, interesting livery. I uh, I do like the way that this particular stunt rider is uh, showing off the bottom of the skid plate while not crashing. <laughs> so uh, if you're interested in seeing the crazy, colorful BMW 310 concept, we will put links in our show notes on our website. And I guess in other motorcycle-related news, Yamaha is uh, adding the R1S to their lineup, and also a couple of uh, a couple of bikes in 2016 with their 60th anniversary colors of black, white, and uh, black, white, and yellow. Mm-hmm. And this particular uh, recall, though, uh, impacts the R3. There's a, a manufacturing defect in the upper triple clamp and you will need to have that replaced so if you currently own an r3 purchased after january 1st of this year you might want to contact your dealership they will replace that clamp for free very nice so if you have an r3 sorry if you have a you have to take your bike in for that i got I got a little quick comment on my blog about some about a boot post that I posted a while ago um, with recommendations, and I think it's pretty common. I think it's a common issue for men and men and women, not just women. Uh, Benny, can I help you? Um, huh. Is that trying to jump up on me? Um, 
this one woman messaged about um, boots for bigger calves. And there are actually two brands that offer fully adjustable calf, fully calf adjustable boots. So, you know, boots where you can actually completely open the calf and then close it to your liking. And I've had the best luck with those for folks who really need more room in the calf. Um, The first is Daytona. Of course, they are probably one of the most expensive options, but they do offer a fully adjustable Velcro around the calf for the men's boot and the ladies' boot. And on the ladies, it's the Lady Star, and on the men's, it's the Road Star. But they both do the same thing. There's no reason why, if you're a woman, you can't wear the Road Star. Um, they both have the open calf space, which is nice. Uh, the fits are a little bit wider, so that's nice if you need a little wider boot. And then the other is CD. CD offers the Vertigo with the full, uh, full crank on the calf so you can open it and then wind it down hmm. however you want. If you need a sporty or a race style boot, that's <clears> the Vertigo. So they have the ladies Vertigo and they have the boys Vertigo and those work great for that. If those don't work, then unfortunately your option is a low boot. It's going to What be... about men's boot? Because I'd imagine, you know, and and well, for those who have a more blessed calf than me because I'm usually on the mm-hmm. lower end of the spectrum, always having problems with too much boot left for yeah. my tiny calf. Yeah. Wouldn't you have a bigger foot or a wider foot if you had a wider calf? Uh not necessarily. Okay, I didn't know. Small women. I've had women who have a size seven or eight foot, and they have large calves. So, but like, not. Oh yeah, you're right. So that still is too small for a men's boot. Eh, for a lot of them, not all of them, but some of the men's boots, they don't have as much room as the ladies. Believe it or not. Really? It depends. It 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 varies. Men had bigger calves. It. It varies so widely from model to model, but I can tell you the most luck I've had are with those two models because huh. you can open them completely. You can fold open the Velcro, fully open the adjuster on the CD boot. No other boots let you do that. Um, yeah. Everything else you can, you know, open the side of the boot, but yeah, if you have a tiny foot, Say you have a size seven, that there's not a lot of guys' options there either. But um, sure, I would say a lot of the men's boots in general have a larger space. So you can always start there. And there's brands like TCX and Alpine Stars, which make a lot of boots down to a European 37, which is about a seven in ladies. So, yeah, it's smaller than my foot. Um, but yeah, the just the best luck I've had were with those two uh, models specifically. But, yeah, you can definitely try a, a men's boot if that, that works better for you as well. Um, Especially if you have, like, a foot that's at least an 8 and is slightly mm-hmm. wider than average. Mm-hmm. Like, I run a little bit narrow, but I'm still able to wear the CD Adventure uh, Cortex men's boots. They still work for me. Well, believe it or not, I found that this that CDs are actually narrower toward the toes. The closer you get to the toe box, they're actually narrower 
than alpine stars or TCX. Huh. Um, Interesting. But closer to the toe, not, like further back, they're pretty wide, like over your instep, they're pretty uh-huh. good. But when you start getting to the toes, they taper a, l- a little bit, not as much as Dionysi, but they're not as square as a Daytona shoe or an Alpine Stars boot. Those tend to be the squarest. And I can tell you that... The squarest um, of them all. Yeah, just because in the some people have... Uh, just really wide toes so they need more space like my toes don't taper pretty you know like a girl's <laughs> foot they are square like my dad's feet so I have a hard time with pointy toe shoes because then my pinky toe gets really smushed and the best um, boot I've seen for that is Alpine Stars anytime a big guy comes in and he's like I'm a 14 triple E Cool. I know. I put him, or whatever, or he's a 14D. I put him wow. in a 47 or 46 Alpine Stars boot, and he's good to go. And, and I've, like, I had one guy who was like a 15, and he was amazed that he could wear a 49 or a 50 Alpine Stars because typically everything's too narrow, but A Stars has a very square box. Um, in general. So if you need a really, really square boot, A-Stars is wonderful for that. They're really, really great for that. So there are my recommendations for some uh, wider boots. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, yeah. So I also posted this link to um, some advice that a new writer, I think she, I think it's a female, but the reader doesn't say what sex they are. They're just like, hey, I'm trying. I'm thinking about getting a bike, and this is kind of what I want, and this is what I thought I want to get. And basically, this person has always loved classic-looking bikes. So, you know, your Bonnevilles, your CBs, you know, your classic standard bike, not a cru- not cruisers necessarily, and not racy bikes. Um, and they want to do some touring and some road tripping. So they're thinking about a few different 250s, like the Bolt, the V-Star, and the Rebel, um, as, a, as bikes to start on and maybe trip on. Um, which Bolt did you ride? Was it a 250? The Bolt? Yeah. Bolt was the C spec, and the Bolt is not a two fifty. How big is that? Um, was it a four hundred? Mm. It wasn't. Huge. Jeez, hell no! The Bolt is like somewhere around eight hundred cc's. I thought they made a smaller version of that. No. Ew. Which don't no, they make? Any... Now that I've thrown it out there, I gotta look it up as Cause... we're typing. Because <laughs> I thought Yamaha had like a five hundred cc standard. Uh, no. Of some sort. Um, because my coworker rides a little Yamaha, and it's less than 500cc, and it's just a very basic uh, starter um, standard. Um, you know, just like a classic standard. I okay, 942, 942 is the so CC on a bolt. What is the other bike I'm thinking of? That's well, give me a second. A standard... Me using a, a, a Apple computer is like <laughs> someone learning how to walk. Don't um, worry, you'll be running soon. Uh, like, um, 
Apple the V-Star? L. Do they have a V-Star? There's a shortcut. They do have a V-Star. I think they have a 250. That's bigger, though. Uh, they have a V-Star to Virago. They have a Virago 250. But there's also, there's something else that is also like a little sub uh, 500. That's and big. I can't remember the name. Raider is also giant. Striker, um, giant. Something called the Straddle Liner definitely isn't 250. The Straddle Liner. Or the <laughs> road like liner. a cruise ship. Yeah, that's I'm dead serious. That's um, one of their bikes. God, um, I'm totally blanking. What? It's definitely not it either. V-Star. What bike am I Yeah. Keep, keep oh, here you go. V-Star, 250. So that's the only non-race bike that's a 250 or a sub-500? Well, keep in mind we're talking Star. If we were to wander back to Yamaha, yeah, they have slightly different. The Striker? God, I'm just no, totally spacing. The Cruiser End, you've only got that one. Okay. Am I crazy? What am I thinking of? I'm like, I'm racking my brain. Um, uh, what is she riding? I, I'm just totally going... My brain's not working at all. Um, but in any case, I my my recommendation to this person the is... The SR400. Is that? That's oh. the old school kickstart. Kickstarter. No, I don't want to yes. kickstart. Um, TW200? XT250? No. WR250R? No, those are dual sports. Um... No, I'm thinking of a standard, like a Bonneville-style bike. The SR400. It's like a classic-looking bike. That, but it's that's got to be what I'm thinking of. But it's a kickstart. Huh. Um, in any case, I my my idea to this, or advice to this person was to maybe contemplate the idea of buying your 250, spending time on it, and just learning to ride your vehicle. You know, <laughs> try not to plan too far ahead for road tripping necessarily, because really 250s aren't built for that. They're just, I mean, you can. I mean, shoot, you can travel the country on a, on a Vespa, on a 50cc scooter. But, but is it the best option? Not really. Um, it's just, you know, you'll quickly get tired. You're quickly going to be uh, underwhelmed, you know, by the power and on the freeway. Well, under <clears throat> underwhelmed definitely on the freeway. Yeah. I mean, but I think is if you've never been on a motorcycle, you won't be underwhelmed with the experience. You just won't be able to keep no. up with some fast traffic. No. But, um, you know, if you do want something more comfortable, something that, you know, enables you to ride, to do longer distance trips, you may want to upgrade to like a 500 for that stability. It's, it depends. Everyone's experience is different. Um, I toured on my 250. I didn't go that far. I only went to LA. So those were only like 700 mile round When trips. you lived in San Francisco, I might add. Yeah. And I know <laughs> that was the furthest I ever rode on that 250 was SF to LA. I never went like up the coast. Like I never went nearly as far as I did on my 650. So, 
you're going to find out when you start riding those 250s whether you're going to want to tour on them. Um, so I, my recommendation is to get these 250s, but be open to the idea of upgrading should you want more comfort. Um, and at that point, you can sell it and then, you know, grab a 500 or a 600 when you're ready. You don't necessarily have to, you know, make yourself do these trips on these bikes. Because, like, on a Rebel 250, that's, I think, probably the worst one out of all of them to travel on. Just because ergonomically, it's just not comfortable and the suspension and just a whole other host of reasons. But, you know, I feel like a lot of new people, they have this plan and, you know, they have to follow it and they don't let their experience, their motorcycle experience, um, help them kind of make these different decisions because your, your opinions and your perceptions change dramatically. I think once you actually start riding, you go, Oh, you know, maybe I really do want a bike with a big windscreen or whatever. That's all. That's all. Um, what else? What else do we have? Was there any more recalls that we missed? I don't know. No, I pretty much think that's it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I did go to LA and come back. I'm back. Yeah, it was very sad. Tell me about it. Yeah. At least I ate a lot. I got to wear flip-flops all the time. Wore t-shirts every day. Had to use the air conditioning. <laughs> it was very warm. That was nice. It was nice to be back in warm weather. But I did miss my bike a lot. A lot of people ride in Ventura. It's pretty, um, it's pretty common. Every day you're going to see bikes on the road there. And because um, the weather was just so beautiful. So everybody was out riding. and uh, Made me want to ride. Now I can't. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe this week. I don't know. We'll see. I'll try to go see a chiropractor tomorrow. See if I can get in to see somebody. Oh, uh, one other thing I want to mention is there are currently there are viewings all over the country for hitting the apex. Ah, uh, yes. It's the newest installment in the... Ours is on November 17th in Southern California. It well, might see, be so nationally. Yeah, yes. nationally, it's all in the same day, spread mm-hmm. across the country. Mm-hmm. So it's what, Tug, T-U-G-G? Mm-hmm. Is that um, uh, the yep, website? Yep, Tug.com is a... It's, it's a website that allows you to pre-sell tickets to movie mm-hmm. showings um, at participating theaters... So if you just Google tug hitting the apex, you can put your zip code in and then it'll tell you what, if there's any showings um, in yeah, Philly we're going to or the trying Orange County one. to get one. Yeah. yeah. Now, is yours confirmed? Yep. Yeah. L.A. was sold out. So, so uh, I bought the Orange County tickets and then L.A. Yeah. said, oh, here are a couple extra seats open. I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's a little late, but thanks. So mine is not. Um, the way that it works is a hundred people have to pre-purchase tickets in order for the screening to actually happen because, you know, the theater's got to fill its seats and they're not going to just let 20 people come in and show a movie 
Well, so rally rally lands you... to go to the Abbey on Tuesday. Oh, he's uh-huh. already. I mean, I know he's already like trying to promote it, but um, the way it works is you pre-sell the hundred seats. Once you do that, then the screening is confirmed, and then they charge your credit card. So yeah. you will only pay for it if a hundred people sign up. So you don't really lose anything. I mean, sign up for it. It pre-authorizes your card, but it doesn't charge you until the screening date is confirmed. So and basically, it's just to meet a financial minimum because yeah. it's not uh, it's not, not officially cheap. with a big distribution center. So yeah. you won't see that distributed at it major movie theaters you're only going to see it at smaller movie theaters that are partnering up with a program like this so Mm -hmm. we'll let them kind of uh have it kind of in the wind if you will and then uh when people commit to you know a certain number in this case it's 100 um then it'll make financial sense for them to be able to show the movie with all the extra costs and stuff that need to be considered so take a look at that we'll post some links to our website yeah, I'll, I'll see you in Orange link County to the Philly one. It's at the it's downtown. It's in Center City in Society Hill, which is the neighborhood it's in, at a little independent theater. It'd be awesome to see a hundred bikes ride in for that. And if you're not familiar with hitting the Apex, it's the latest installment from director Mark Neal. Um, he directed Faster, Faster Two, Fastest. <laughs> And he also did, didn't he also do Dr. Tornado and Kentucky Kid? Um, I think so. The first installment. And basically this documentary series is all about MotoGP. It's about the world of MotoGP racing. They interview, basically they're interviewing the fastest MotoGP racers. I mean, really the fastest motorcycle racers in the world um, at the top, top level of competition, which is MotoGP. Even if you don't watch MotoGP, you'll want to watch these movies because it just gives you incredible (laughs) insight into the world of motorcycle racing. And for, um, you know, I mean, I know that the, the people who race these bikes, these bikes are not bikes you can go buy at the dealership, right? You can't just go buy one. I mean, they're million dollar motorcycles and they're certainly, you know, the extreme in terms of performance and manufacturing, but what's really great is just to see how far um, these people push themselves and these motorcycles and what, what sport bikes are truly capable of. You know, when you buy a, a sports bike, you have no idea really what you can do on that thing. And it's incredible to see the lean angle, the speed, the braking, the power, just the control. I mean, it's just awesome to see these people um, competing in such a small sport. I would call it a pretty small sport. Um, And if you'd like to meet the director, um, Mm -hmm. another segue, the uh, International Motorcycle Shows just kicked off this past weekend in Portland. Next upcoming weekend is in Sacramento, and then in two weeks from that, so not until the 20th, I believe, um, weekend of the 20th, right before Thanksgiving, is when it hits Long Beach, and I know Mark Neal is the speaker for a couple of those shows, uh, mm-hmm. not not sure if it's all, so make sure you go to the MotorcycleShows.com website and check out their speaker list, 
and see if Mark Neal is one of the people signed up for sure. He'll be he will be in uh, Long Beach. Oh, nice. So if you would like to hear more about how he put together that movie and some of his others, and usually they open it up to Q and A, um, those kind of uh, forums, yeah. then definitely uh, check out which time he's going to be there and uh, stop on by. Yep, and I th- I believe a portion of a, a huge portion I think of the films go to Mark. Um, and all the hard work he's put into it. Um, you know, as far as I know, he's not being paid millions of dollars to make these films. And he spends, he spends a lot of time to put these together and try to sell and distribute this film. Um, and he doesn't have to do that. Uh, you know, but I think he really loves the content and I think he loves talking to all these different people. So, Definitely show your support, and it's a fun thing you can do, you know, with your friends. Is even friends who don't ride, it's like, hey, come check out this interesting world that I'm a part of um, that you may know nothing about. And it's just pretty fascinating, really cool stuff. And it's narrated by Brad Pitt. So this time, instead of Ewan McGregor, it's Brad. Because I think he's a huge. Never a bad day. He's in, <laughs> He's a huge motorcycle person, so it's pretty good. It's a pretty long uh, documentary, but it covers, you know, it covers Marco and it covers, you know, Marquez and Vale and Stoner and just all the big names in motorcycle racing. It's it's really good. So check it out. And if you want to have a screening where you live, you can do that through the Tug website. And a lot of other people who have different documentaries, I'm looking at a bunch right now, um, are creating events on Tug to have screenings of their movies in their hometown. So you could always start one if you don't see a screening where you live and you know there are hundreds of motorcyclists there who might want to see a showing, you can create an event and create a showing and you get a cut of the tickets. So if you set up a showing and you get 100 people to come, I believe you get like a little commission from each ticket as well. So makes for a pretty fun, uh, fun event. Check that out when you can. What else is coming? Well, I guess the motorcycle shows are coming, right? Indeed. Yeah. When's Long Beach? Gosh, did you not just hear me say when that was? Was It's like the weekend of the 20th, right before Thanksgiving. Oh, see, they changed the date. Well, they changed the dates. I'm so. It used was to forever it. the first weekend in December, and then they yes. switched it. Uh, <clears throat> switched it last year. Yeah. And then they pushed it back even further. So it's really close to Ikema, oh, which okay. probably not a good idea in my opinion. But yeah, um, you lose a lot of your major endemic media. Yep. To Ikema, yep. but. Um, I'm excited because my friend Glenn is Mm -hmm. one of the speakers. So in addition to Mark Neal, Glenn Hegstad, Ride Ride the World, I want to say, his program. But uh, he'll be doing, he did Portland this weekend, and he's definitely signed up for Long Beach. So if you're interested in listening to his tales about traveling, all across uh, the globe, pretty much, on uh, BMWs, um, definitely stop by. Cool. 
Very nice. Yeah, they were. There was talk of having a show in Pen in Philly or or in the Philly area. Excuse me, but then they changed it, and now it's just New York. Mm. So I think there was a date here, and then it got canceled. So now it's. Um, they do have York. Miami again. Miami. Ooh. That actually sounds. No, Miami sounds interesting. That sounds pretty cool. I cannot go. I'll be working. Um, Meet me in Miami and bring your bikini. Yeah, that'd be nice. No, no more vacation left. Hmm. No more. It's pretty much it on my end. Hmm. We're going to have a short show for everybody. They're going to be so mad at us. They'll be okay with that. I don't know. I feel like they're always hungry. Hmm. I feel like they're always very busy. Only when we miss a couple of weeks in between. Uh, true. Well, then I guess... Sorry, I chase fun before weeks. I chase the podcast. <laughs> well... I, I try to fit... We try to fit that in. True. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe I'm just, like, so demotivated because my body hurts. <sighs> someone, someone asked me, hey, I... I I really wanted to get your feedback because I want to know how to make a living in the motorcycle industry. <laughs> and I'm like, so, so do, do you I. want, <laughs> do you, uh, I don't even know how to answer that because I don't make a living in the motorcycle industry. Oh. Like I am a geologist first and foremost. <laughs> and my passion lies within the motorcycle industry. I love being a part of the motorcycle industry, as small a part as I do, in fact, play. Um, and, uh, I mean, Mo- Joanne is, is full-time motorcycle-ish. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I would say... But, uh, uh, yeah. but someone who comes to me and asks, like, how do you make a living in the motorcycle industry? I want to ride motorcycles and, and do reviews and have all the kinds of fun. It's like, oh, hey, time out. <laughs> Don't forget, and I'm very, very clear, where my paycheck comes from. Yeah. My paycheck comes from a full-time job. Yeah. And then after that, I do some fun stuff, but the fun stuff has always been on my nickel for the most part. Um, rarely do I get a trip where I am not forking out yeah. you know, everything up front. Uh, yep. I'm lucky if I do a bike review that's out of state because then that usually is kind of fun. Yep. But keep in mind that, you know, just because you get to go on a three day trip with a manufacturer, that doesn't mean that I'm just generating income back home, not being a geologist. So there are some compromises that you have to make. So when someone approaches me and asks me how to how to be a journalist or how to be full-time media in the industry, I shudder because I I am pretty content with where I'm at because I know what a lot of people make in the industry and even if their paycheck is guaranteed, it's still pretty low. Motorcycling is not a high-paying industry unless you're an executive. Um and if you are getting a fair chunk of change, you're working your ass off like mm-hmm. 20 so I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I'm sitting pretty good where I'm at, uh, being able to pick and choose what I do and having some flexibility and just being lucky enough to enjoy my life, uh, the way I want to live it and having the ability to share that with people who are interested in, uh, in the kinds of adventures and craziness that I get myself involved in. 
So, um, not to not to rain on anyone's parade, but uh, it's uh, it's a tough thing. And I am not someone who likes to really work hard at, at anything because I've always had a career position, and I've never had to wonder where my next paycheck comes from. So I, I as much as I joke about you know the day I get laid off, I'm gonna work on my book. Um, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be working fast and furious because uh, I'm not going to want to figure out, oh, well, then there's that paycheck we'll pay for two weeks, and then after that I'll need to find something else. And, I, yeah, I don't know. That's a totally different lifestyle that I'm totally not prepared for. No, it's uh, it's definitely not a lucrative one. No. Um, uh, unless, unless, like Christy said, you have a high-level job, at a say a manufacturer say you work for Suzuki or something and you're the VP of something sure you can have a have a pretty lucrative job but that's not very common and if you talk to any of the people who podcast or blog um, about writing ask them and they probably have full-time jobs I'd say 90 90 percent of them right I would think out of 10 Nine of them will say, uh, yeah, I've got a full-time job. I'm a this, I'm a that. Mm-hmm. And, and all the blogging and the podcasting and the traveling is all recreational and what vacation time they can take off. Or maybe they work part-time at something. But it's impossible to... It, that's like the dream job is to be able to blog for a living and make enough money to travel and do those things and support yourself and live comfortably without another um, reliable source of income. And truthfully, when I took this job, I gave up a lot of that fun because I can't because it's a job. It's a job that I really like. It's a job that I love, actually. Um, It's a job I moved for. So for me, giving up some of the other opportunities for a steady income and free lunch on Tuesdays, and ice cream, and <laughs> parties, and, you know, tickets to things is is worth it for me. Um, but who knows, maybe someday I'll go back to the freewheeling lifestyle. But when I did freelance for a little bit, and then do some of the traveling at only, like I did, you know, I did one Yamaha event, and then I was able to go to some different events it was because I was freelancing on the side for my husband's client that, and he was actually paying me, uh, the client. So that was a real gig. I was, that was completely irrelevant to motorcycling completely. It was events production and thank God that his client needed my help. So he hired me and that was using my, uh, real world job skills, project management, um, executive man, uh, executive assistant, that sort of stuff. I was able to float some of the, you know, freewheeling blogging lifestyle, but it, it, it kind of sucked. I'll tell you that was like, that really wasn't, um, it just wasn't easy to like, like Christy said, like, okay, done for the month. Now what? Uh, yeah. I've got to figure out, you know, whereas now, every two weeks, there we go. <laughs> there well, hey, is. as it is, I took a pay cut because I stayed with a small company. Yeah. I could have easily got up and mm-hmm. walked and uh, yeah. gone to uh, work in the wonderful corporate world yeah. with uh, probably another 20 or 30 Gs to my paycheck. But 
corporate the reality geology. of moving on to a new job like that and working for a corporate environment is not only the fact that I can no longer wear jeans to the office, but mm. um, I uh, I no longer have the flexibility of my schedule. So yeah, I could have a corner office somewhere and be, you know, a lot richer. But when yeah. I come home, you know, I'm coming home after like six or seven o'clock. I'm tired. Yeah. I'm working all five days a week. If a press launch comes up, there's probably little to no flexibility of me saying, hey, can I take like the next three days off next week? Or about that vacation at the end of the year where I'm going to take like four weeks off and three of them are paid and one of them's unpaid. Like yeah. that wouldn't even be a, a question I could ask. Yeah. That's like off the table altogether. So yeah. And if you're, you know, one thing I we tell have people to make all the time is if you're trying to, you're doing motorcycle stuff because you want to make money, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> like this is not where you do that. You know, the reason we do this stuff is because we love the in, the content and we love what we do in our in our spare time, which is riding motorcycles and talking about them, but not because we want to make money. God. Like, I, I feel like that's like the dream, you know, the kind of elusive dream we all try to shoot for in a perfect world. But um, if you're like selling things or make, trying to make products in the motorcycle industry just to make money, good luck because you're going to need it. Um, it takes a really long time to get to that point. You spend a lot of money to try to make more. And from a lot of people I've talked to, very little of it comes back to you. Like I've spent a lot of money on my site buying gear. 90%, I'd say, I'd say 70, realistically, 75% of the product I own or I reviewed, I have purchased. I've spent a lot of money on my reviews. I spent a lot of money traveling to places so I can tell you about it. Um, and I'm really lucky that uh, my husband is our breadwinner, and he can float me a little bit of money when I when I want to go places. Um, you know, we're, we're able to do that together because he's pretty successful. So I'm very lucky in that. If it weren't for him, I wouldn't be able to do half the things that I am able to do or experience. So, yeah, good luck if you if you are making money you know, selling things or writing. I'm more power to you, and I'm really, really jealous. Um, oh, speaking of that, I did forget about one thing. Um, my friend Deborah sent me this new product that she launched. Uh, it's a it's a backpack. Have you seen the stuff about that? Christy, here, I'll send you no. a link. It's um, Her company is called Moto Chick Gear, Moto Chic Gear, and she's designed a stylish uh, motorcycle backpack for women. So in, you know, in lieu of a Timbuktu backpack, um, you know, or a Chrome backpack or a Kriga, this is something she's designed specifically for women. So it's like a functional little backpack. Uh, I'm going to try to Right. Oh yeah, because Aaron Aaron Hunter Sills is on it. Oh, that's the blonde in the link that you just sent. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, I saw pictures with her. Yeah, so <clears throat> it's it's a cute little bag. I'll I uh, I just got it in the mail the other day, so I'm gonna um, 
take it for a spin this week. My back be willing. And then I actually have to send it back to her so she can send it to someone else to check out. Um, but it's, it's a nice little idea because the bag is, it's cute. You know, it, it looks definitely more, uh, stylish than functional, purely functional, but it has some interesting little features like it has a backpack strap and then it has a tote handle and it's got a bunch of pockets and yeah, it looks more like a purse or something like that rather than a messenger bag. So if that interests you, you'll want to check that out. Um, we'll see how well it measures up to my Kriga. It's tough, I think. I think that's a tough, um, it's tough competition because I, it, it, I think it really all comes down to whether you want functionality over style, um, or what kind of functionality you prefer or, over just straight aesthetics, uh, which I think is just the common struggle with a lot of people who ride, you know, men and women. Do I want this jacket because it looks really hot on me or do I want it because it works really well, you know, for what I'm doing? So I, we will post a link to that and you can also actually buy the bag as well. So it's all on their website. And that is what I have. Cool. For gear. I'll have some well, more thank reviews you. by the next episode. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for episode 75. We will be back with you in two weeks. Um, I should be here. It's the day before my birthday. I will be around. I don't think we're going anywhere or anything. If I'm lucky, my husband will come home. I made him promise to come home for my birthday. So it should be good. So we will... Definitely be back in two weeks. In the meantime, please come see us at motorific.com and on facebook.com slash motorificpodcast. And, of course, you can find us on Twitter as Goddess and Gitchup. So we will talk to you later. Bye.